Hey everyone, I'm Julie Gunlock, your host for another episode of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. For those new to this program, this podcast is focused on how parents should custom tailor their parenting style to fit what's best for their families, themselves, and most importantly, their kids. Today, I am excited to have on my friend Christian Toto. He is an award-winning journalist. He's a conservative film critic and a radio show co-host. He also has his own podcast that I won't name. No, I'm kidding. It's called Hollywood in Toto Podcast. He offers the right take on entertainment, and I'm hoping he'll give us the right take today. Christian, thanks for coming on. That's a lot of pressure now. Come on. (laughs) You've got to be right. That's right. So, Christian, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how a nice conservative guy like you got involved in Hollywood. Yeah, a recovering art major, I switched over to journalism, kind of elbowed my way into the entertainment desk on a couple of newspapers. And then I moved from D.C. to Denver, where I am now, and kind of went solo and realized that the vast majority of people who review movies are left of center. And there's no crime in that, but it seems like you could use a right of center voice. And there are very, very few people who do that. So I decided to throw my little hat into the ring in, there, in that oh, fashion. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. It's, it is important. It, well, it is important too that that perspective be heard, particularly on something cultural like Hollywood and the movies they produce. So, I think a lot of people are glad you're out there. Yeah, you know, and I think it's more pronounced than ever on two fronts. One is that the the people who are reviewing movies are kind of leaning into their left of center biases in ways that they weren't when I first started this business. And also the product in Hollywood is is leaning into the hits biases, which again are similarly left of center and sometimes dramatically so. So yeah, I, I think that half the country should be represented in the critical uh, phase of things. And that's where I come in. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting since 2006, you've seen sort of this lurch leftward and this, you know, inability to accept any different positions or thoughts. And that is particularly true in Hollywood. Um, Tell us a little bit about Hollywood, like the numbers, you know, obviously with COVID, you know, we've seen, you know, things released on these streaming services now, theaters or, you know, some of them are opened. I'd actually like an update on that if you know that. But, you know, is what is how is Hollywood doing in terms of actually selling tickets and selling their products? Well, before the pandemic, Hollywood was struggling a little bit on this end uh, because they kept rising prices. The the numbers weren't awful, but the tickets sold were not what they wanted to see as far as uh, the data goes. And of course, everything shut down with the pandemic, and now the theaters are kind of bouncing back. You know, I think they've bounced back a little more quickly than I imagined, but there's still certainly still a gap between the old and the new. Uh, a couple of films have done very well, like A Quiet Place Part Two, in part because it's entertaining but a lot of films have underperformed dramatically like Cruella so I think what's happening is that the industry is really changing right now I think a lot of the studios are thinking gosh we can go straight to streaming we keep more of the revenue we have more control over the product we kind of push up our particular streaming channel of choice and this could be the future. I think that's where what what may shake out. I don't know if the theatrical model is going to go away. I don't think so. But I suspect it may be reserved more for the razzle-dazzle blockbuster movies like Black Widow as opposed to more thoughtful films that are made for adult audiences. So we shall see. It, it's a work in progress. But the numbers aren't quite there yet. 
Um, and most theaters, from what I can tell, are open. I think most have rebounded as far as uh, they're not shuttered anymore. But uh, we're seeing some movies that you would think would make X and Y at the box office, making quite a bit less. Yeah, I always feel like Hollywood doesn't listen. It doesn't listen to women like me who prefer, you know, don't want these big, you know, sort of CGI, bright lights, loud noise music, you know, movies. I... I know this is not going to come as a big shock, but I really like things like Downton Abbey and, and I mean, that's so old now and I'm still referencing it because there really hasn't been a replacement for that. And, you know, I know that, that there have been Bridgerton and there's some, well, Bridgerton wasn't exactly Downton Abbey, but they're trying to, you know, to repeat that. But why does Hollywood never seem, you know, for instance, you know, Downton was incredibly, popular it's a it's a very safe show to watch with kids um why is it that they always seem to go i i I get it black blockbusters are are very popular but it does seem like there's other markets out there that they never really are interested in tapping into is that true well i think that hollywood is really conservative in the worst ways in that it's very afraid to take risks and chances so that's why they go with the reboots and sequels and remakes. I think from a theatrical level, something like a Bridgerton, an original presentation is riskier than uh, Fast and Furious Part 12. But, you know, some of the titles you're mentioning are doing well on the home front. So those are, you know, Downton Abbey is originally a TV show that did make a movie of it. But that's that's where it began. And Bridgerton was based on Netflix. So I, I think that you're seeing sort of a split between interesting stories that speak to different audiences where you can watch them at home and then what do they kind of create on the theatrical level which is often big and loud and quite often dumb honestly yeah i don't mind that at times but it does kind of rot my brain other times but well it does it does and you know you look at the original star wars franchise now i know there's a lot of criticism of them and i know about this whole subculture that thinks that you know hollywood went in the toilet when star wars the star wars franchise you know, came up and that sort of started the blockbuster, sort of the Hollywood only caring about these big money makers. Um, but, you know, the original fran- franchise did have some major religious and mythological themes and this idea of truly good and bad, you know. Mm-hmm. And then as you went further into that series, you know, it was it was really hard to tell who were the good guys and the bad guys. Um, you know, will Hollywood ever go back to having, you know, depth? Or is it, is, are we looking at, should I just, you know, continue to only watch 70s shows now? Because it's, it's a, it's a future of woke crap that we're, that we're going to, we're going to have in our future from now on. Well, the woke argument I think is, is both separate and intertwined with what we're seeing today. So it's kind of hard to tease out at times, but I will say, you know, Star Wars worked because it was just a classic story it yeah. had essential tropes to it you mentioned good and evil you mentioned some of the potentially the religious uh, undertones but it was a well-told story and i think that hollywood often struggles to do that which sounds ridiculous it's it's hollywood it's what they do it's their whole purpose but um you know in the late 70s early 80s look at they made these three wonderful star wars films and then when it came time to reboot them and make new films the three sequels got increasingly worse you know, with yeah, all that yeah. money, listen, Disney owns the franchise now. They have every resource at their disposal to make the greatest stories with the greatest dialogue and the greatest everything. But they cared more about the effects, the callbacks, the the Easter eggs, the teasing out a new franchise, sort of the 
the synergy and the marketing behind these movies rather than the stories. You know, I, yeah. I grew up on Star Wars. I love those movies. I've seen the last two films. I, I, if I never saw them again, I'd be very happy. They they offered me nothing, <laughs> zilch, zero. And you know, and I was their audience. I was the, you know, I was the guy who grew up in this stuff and wanted to relive my childhood through these movies. And they just, they just, they didn't, they didn't get there for me for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I do think sometimes that with the smaller screen efforts, I think like with Netflix is very good at not letting the studios interfere. They often will let the artists just say what they want to say and do what they want to do. They don't get millions of notes saying, oh, this character must be X or Y or this storyline yeah. is dumb or you need narration here to explain it to your dumb audience. So I think sometimes the better entertainment often pops up on the smaller screen. And we've seen that with shows like Fargo, which is sensational, uh, Justified, you know, even Sons of Anarchy, it's over the top as it is, which is really a rock solid show. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have taken a different tack. And honestly, I feel like I'm going to be all over with this podcast because there's every time you say something, I want to go off on a different tangent. So um, so I am going to be a little bit over the all over the place. But, you know, I'd mentioned that I'm only watching 70 shows and 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 you talked about, you know, you love these shows. But I don't feel like some of the current content coming out of Hollywood is anything I want to share with my kids. And so I was kind of interested in because I've I've been over the uh, certainly over COVID, I've been playing old movies for my kids, you know, Towering Inferno, Poseidon Adventure, The Great Escape, you know, some really great films of the last, you know, 30, 40 years. And I was wondering if you had any, I mean, this, this we can certainly go back to this, but like, what are the kind of films that you watch with your kids? I know your kids are kind of my age kids. They're not, you know, they're still at home. And, um, you know, I was wondering if we can talk about sort of what you, what you watch with your kids do you watch current television? If so, what do you watch? And also some some recommendations for older stuff that you think kids should. I feel like there's all there's things in pop culture that kids should all see. So I'd, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, this is an odd topic for me, and it shouldn't be. But my kids are 10 and 12, and they have an yeah. odd relationship with movies now. They prefer YouTube shorts and things like oh, that. Oh, I know. To sit, sit down for a movie is not is not their natural state of being. Uh, so I have, you know, coaxed them to watch movies like Jaws, which we all loved. And it's it's, it's essentially a, <laughs> just one of the best movies of all time to me. Uh, we've also enjoyed What About Bob, which I remember being pretty clean. And the kids just absolutely howled over it. And maybe, maybe blame <laughs> Bill Murray. We watched that recently. Yeah, it, it's, it's very solid entertainment. Uh, you know, when I go back to some of the 80s films that I grew up with watching, the Ferris Bueller's of the World, you can't mess sure. with them. I will say that we've been watching in recent months – uh, Bob's Burgers on Fox, which is mostly clean. Once in a while, there'll be sort of a an elbow or something that's a little un, uh, uncomfortable. But it's uh, it's a very sweet story. It's very funny. But I, I, one of the revelations for me of late is I've been watching Modern Family. And I know it was a great show, lots of Emmys, blah, 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 11 years. But I'm really, I'm kind of astounded at how rigorous it was, how it was just a beautifully told story that had a lot of great messaging. And as you watch the later seasons, you can kind of sense the the woke culture encroaching on it, yeah. but yeah. they often process it in ways that you don't expect or that they actually poke fun at it, kind of acknowledging it and ribbing it at the same time. And I don't even think if you made a show today, you can kind of get away with that. I think it's more, you know, hands off. You can't you can't disagree with it. You can't make fun of it. Uh, another thought is just sort of the how the characters, especially the, the gay couple, uh, Cam and Mitchell, they're deeply flawed. Yeah. They're they're selfish. They're silly. Uh, 
and yet you love them because they're so real and they're so flawed, yeah. they're so interesting and layered. And I think it's another area where often with storytellers today, if there's certain groups that are marginalized, that you have to be very careful with what you do and say about them, which only restricts the storyteller. Yeah. Because you know these are characters that are interesting and I think they connect with us more because they are who they are and yeah. because they're not immediately lovable and flawless. Yeah, they're, well, they're, you know, they're odd. It, it reminds me of, you know, Archie Bunker, what is the the show there? I'm I'm forgetting all family. The family. All in family, you know. I feel like you could never get away with that, but maybe you can. And there's a show that I watched recently. It's out of Canada and it's about and I'm gonna forget it. This is like the, the I this is what happens when you, you go off on a tangent. I wasn't prepared to talk about this, but um there you may know it. It's uh it, again, it's filmed in Canada. I think it's a Canadian show, and it's about an Asian family who runs a um a little grocery store. And have you have you seen do you know what I does this ring a bell? Is it Kim Possible? Is that it I, I don't think it's no I don't think it's impossible it's really it's they make fun I mean it's you know it's it's they make fun of all of the woke culture they make uh -huh. but they all they make fun of everyone and it's sort of this equal opportunity sort of you know slamming on all these sort of sacred cows which is really refreshing so you know I hear about these shows and I think oh this would never be made today and then I watch one that is so there's still there's still some risk takers out there and my husband and I really enjoy the show obviously I don't enjoy it enough to to actually remember it but to be honest <laughs> with you I don't I don't watch a lot of modern shows my husband was watching it and I caught a caught a little glimpse of it but I it was refreshing to see that that is still possible and that they they were making fun of I mean they were making fun of you know Asians they were making fun of the gay community and they're making fun of oversensitivity and mm -hmm. you know and 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 so it's it's a great show out I I hopefully I'll remember it by the time we're done with this but um but it is nice it is nice to see that but it's interesting what you were saying about how kids are different today and you know this is a parenting podcast so I do want to talk a little bit about that about um you know you mentioned like your kids are watching videos same with mine they get on their tablets and they watch YouTube videos and they you know we have a lot of filters and we really watch what they're watching but you know, they watch, this is the weirdest thing to me. They watch people playing video games. For the life of me, <laughs> I could be a thousand years old. I will never understand the attraction of that. And I'm sure my kids are, my kids are the same age as yours. So, and I have boys. So, you know, it, but I will tell you, you know, I, I sort of, I sort of insist on movie nights. I love movies so much. Obviously, you know, when we were growing up, we didn't have YouTube videos and that kind of stuff. So I understand there's, again, more competition for their time and attention, but we make it kind of an event. And I'm really happy because they are seeing these movies that I think everyone should see, sort of classics, you know, and because I think it kind of makes you a more well-rounded person if you have some understanding of these classic movies. Um, so I don't know, you know, maybe it's that I throw candy at them that they sit down and, and watch these movies, but I, I do enjoy experiencing that with them. And I, I do, do think, yeah. I, I think, I mean, selfishly, it feels like I'm reliving my childhood in a good way. <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah. there's sort of a, that aspect, but yeah. And I, I also think that just from an attention span point of view, I want my boys to be able to sit down, concentrate, enjoy the experience and not have to run another room to check their phone or to check another, you know, whatever they're, you know, is capturing their attention. So I think that matters too, whether my, you know, whether our movie nights are enough to kind of stem that tide of, uh, instant gratification they get from their phones. I don't know, but it, it does help. And yeah, there are certain movies that have messages and, and uh, my, one of my favorite movies of all time, which was my dad's favorite movie, which is my middle, my child's middle name is Shane. It's a great Western from the oh, 1950s. Oh, Shane, yeah. 
And, yeah. uh, you know, that for, for boys to watch that movie, it is essential. It's yeah. a it's a story about sacrifice, about standing up for your fellow man, about, uh, you know, staring down when you're afraid of something. Uh, fidelity. The, there's a, a temptation between Shane and the, the rancher's wife that could, you know, could fall into something like an affair, but they're, I think cooler heads prevail, spoiler alert, but uh, it's just yeah. got so many different wonderful elements and it's over two hours and maybe that's attention span wise, not the greatest thing for oh, kids, yeah, but that's... my, my kids hung in there with it and it's just a wonderful movie. Well, I think, I think part of the problem too, is that, I mean, they hung in on it. They hung, you know, they hung in there because it's a great story. And, you know, when I talk about these movies, you know, I, I mentioned Towering Inferno and, um, the Hindenburg and, and Poseidon Adventure, you know, those aren't, those aren't like, you know, the, yeah, it's not like a drama with great character development, but it has some, and you care about these. You actually grow to kind of care about these characters, and and it's and so in those days, I feel like a lot of those exciting action movies were um, they still did try, you know, because I remember I always there's always an arc, right? It's the same thing where you know they get on the ship and everything's great, or they go to work in the big building and everything's great, right? And then the disaster happens. It feels like, but by the time the disaster happens you've actually you've you know these people and so i think i think you know we we kind of we don't give kids enough credit i think it's not that kids have shorter attention spans because oh they're on you know youtube watching shorter videos or doing you know playing games all the time the content isn't good i don't have a long attention span when the content isn't good so i think in movies where there is a little bit more um, character development, you, I'm, I'm often surprised that my kids do pay attention and probably yours too, you know, and that, that's not, that's a function of the, the movie being really good, I think. And I, maybe you disagree with me, but that's no, kind of my, I agree. I think the art of storytelling is, has suffered some body blows in recent years. And yeah. I also think that, uh, I almost feel like I'm an ambassador to movies. And I kind of felt when I first met my wife, she was not a movie watcher at all. And I felt this insane pressure. Well, if we're going to have a movie night together, besides it being like a romantic evening for us, it's something that I want to be really good. I don't want to kind of waste yeah. her time with, with a mediocre movie. Then she's like, eh, you know. But I basically kind of inundated her with really good films. And I think it kind of turned her toward that, that whole process where, you know, she knows it's going to be hopefully a, a fun experience. You know, if I, I, I see as a, I'm a film critic, I see a lot of terrible movies. I'm, I'm not dissuaded from the art just because I, I love what I do. But if I sat through 20 bad movies in a row, I, I think I'd dread number 21. <laughs> what is your idea of a good movie? Are there things it has to have? Oh, there's no real checklist. You know, I often at a screening, I bring a pad and paper, uh, a pad and pen, and I try to take notes. And I love it when I just put the notepad down. And I'm like, I'm so... I'm so wrapped up in the movie. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out later. I'll write the notes later. I'll try to remember from, yeah. you know, my brain or something like when it takes me away. And this is a very odd example, but I'll throw it at you anyway. Uh, recently I had a kind of a, just a, a tough day and I was exhausted and I, I poured myself one single glass of wine just to kind of just chill out. And then I watched at random roadhouse, which is an absolute slab of eighties cheese likes of which I didn't remember because I haven't seen it in 30 years. And it was so absurd and so over the top and so ridiculous. And yet it leaned into every element of that. And I had a grand old time. My troubles just vanished. And ultimately that's kind of why I do what I do and why people watch movies. They want to escape. They want to be entertained. They want to be distracted. Life is hard. Right. 
And if you can kind of take me away for two hours, that is just the most amazing thing. And Roadhouse is not technically a good movie. It's absurd. You could even say it's bad. But there is something about that film that is over the top and outrageous. And it's certainly R-rated. It's not for the kiddies. But I had a I had a great time. So, you know, I, <laughs> as a critic, you can't ignore that. You got to ultimately yeah. say, was it fun or not? Were you looking at your watch or were you just having a, a blast and laughing along, along with it? Well, you know, you mentioned, you know, that's the job of movies. Take you away, let you have yeah. uh, some fun. But that is not happening as much now. We have a lot of lectures coming from Hollywood. And, you know, it's 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 not just in the movies. It's also at award shows. That's probably why the ratings for award shows are in the toilet. Um, but it's also in the movies. It's weaved into the movies. And, you know, even I feel like it's interesting now that sometimes I just watch that. Um, there's a new HBO show called Mayor of um, it's it's her name is Mayor and mm-hmm. it's she's in Pennsylvania it's a the character it takes place in Pennsylvania it's and it's you know it's, it's sort of typical cop murder kind of mystery um, but it was very good Kate Winslet stars in it she's very um, just very compelling I thought her portrayal was very realistic and then her daughter they you know they they have you know, she's she's divorced and she has children and one of her children has died. But then they made the daughter um, gay and in a relationship and which is you know, <laughs> to quote Seinfeld, not that there's anything wrong with that. But I, it, I don't I, I feel like sometimes there really wasn't a big, very big. There was a weird start story arc, actually, with the daughter and 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 some alcohol involved and just some sort of bizarre behavior. But I didn't really feel like I feel like sometimes they try to stick it in. You know, they got to they got to like fit up you know, fit a quota. Every character has to, they have to sort of have one of each characters. And that kind of gets tiresome, to be honest with you. Um, Not that, you know, every, uh, like a character has to be gay and then has to have like a gay um, storyline or that has to be filled. And so in some ways, maybe you could say it's fulfilled. It's it's actually refreshing that it wasn't made a big deal in the movie. But I do feel like in general, Hollywood lectures Americans, and again, both in storylines in the movies, and in Hollywood. I mean, do you think um, Hollywood is sort of, I'm sure you do, You're. I'm, I'm, I think we can agree on most of these things, but has lost its way, It's has it forgotten that its main role is to entertain and take people away? You know, at times, yes. I mean, I think there's still a lot of good product out there that makes me excited to go watch it. Uh, I do think that there are certainly moments in a lot of programming, small screen, big screen, where there's the either uh, a colleague of mine used to call it the sucker punch, where it was sort of aimed at at, at either mocking someone who was right of center or had a yeah, very overt yeah. message. To me, I call them lectures. I, I think that they stop the movie cold. And also much worse, whether you even if you agree with them, they often take you out of the movie. And just give you a quick example. Yeah. I just previewed a, a horror movie. It comes out in a few weeks. I won't show it. The embargo isn't is still in place, so I can't say what it was. But it's a the film features a very bad person. He may be sexually exploiting a child. Let's just put just give some context there. And then you see him get in his car and drive off. So it's his car. And what do you see on the bumper sticker of the car? Of course. A Make America Great Again sticker. Now, you don't need that for this story. We already know this is a bad dude. Uh, it doesn't really add anything of consequence. But it immediately, at least to me, says they wanted to kind of make fun of a Trump supporter. They wanted to make a political statement. And they did so risking the fact that when you see it, you're kind of taken out of the experience. Because up until then, 
I'm watching a car drive away. The story is compelling. I, I, I'm hoping that the kids who are in harm's way get out safely. So it just was just, but it, it was very typical because you do see that quite a bit. And uh, yeah. I, I, I think it it does, the, it does the story to service. It does the storytellers to service. And uh, it, to me, like I said, I want to get lost in the story. I don't want to get involved and then get yanked out and then have to kind of work my way back in. You know, dazzle me, distract me, yeah. entertain me. That's all great. And, you know, and I think that there are stories where you can weave in some commentary. I think that often makes it richer, with, even if I don't agree with it. You know, um, the classic example is Dawn of the Dead, the horror movie from the 70s. There were images of these zombies walking around a mall. And it was the director's sly commentary about how consumerism kind of eats away at us and how we're all kind of zombies when we're walking. Like it was it was sort of brilliant. And I'm not an anti-capitalist yeah. guy. I don't care about that. But you know what? If you missed it, great. If you caught that little nuance, even better. I didn't it didn't stop anything. It just made it a little bit richer and more more textured. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think though to some degree, Americans, you know, part of this, there's you know, you can't just get some popcorn, sit down and just, you know, relax and and you know, I, I often after a day I mean, this is my job. Politics is my job. It is your job to some degree. You follow this stuff and you're you're on you know, I follow you on Twitter and you comment on a lot of things. And at the end of the day, you know, you talked about pouring yourself a glass of wine and watching some a big old slice of cheesy eighties uh uh you know movies that which was a great line. I love that line that you said. But um there is some escapism there and I feel like it's harder and harder to get away from some of the politics. And you've seen sort of this leftist takeover of higher ed over the years, big tech, obviously K through 12 education with critical race theory and sports. You want some get sports at hundred percent sports and you know, like everything. I mean, even you even have, so, you know, every major organization, like medical organization, they're all being taken over by sort of and and every corporation out there is now, you know, issuing wake woke statements about things. Um, there's really no escape. And then it's frustrating, obviously, when you see it from Hollywood. And yesterday there was a pop star, Olivia Rodrigo. Am I saying that right, Christian? Do you know about this? She I vaguely heard that she was pitching for the vaccines, I believe. Yeah, she was pitching. And, you know, I think that the White House director of D digital strategy, Rob Flaherty, he's trying to influence young people, right? So they bring this young girl. I mean, she has the number one album in the country. She's on this popular Disney Plus show. Um, but, you know, it seemed kind of like a stunt, a little bit like a stunt. Um, and you know, sort of this idea that children are consistently influenced by big tech and consistently influenced by, you know, these Hollywood starlets. And I agree that um, that she probably does have some influence. But, you know, what do you think about that when you have this sort of cross pollination between these really important subjects like, you know, the vaccine and then, you know, having this young girl at the White House trying to persuade young people, um, you know, about about these important public health issues? Well, it's kind of why I do what I do, because I think that half the country should be represented from a cultural perspective and to be uh, made aware of what's happening. You know, when it comes to the vaccines, I, I have the, I've taken the vaccine 
um, in favor of the vaccine. I, I certainly don't want information about it or debates about it to be stifled. So I'm yeah. certainly convinced that. But uh, there's a reason why uh, people left of center took over Hollywood and used it to kind of spread their message because it's often effective. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a surprise they're doing this. I find this one of the less uh, egregious examples. Right. But uh, what I would really like is that, and this is something that I kind of scream about from any anywhere in any pulpit I can, is that I wish that people in Hollywood would stand up for free speech, for the ability to speak one's mind, for the uh, for to kind of blast big tech whenever whenever it censors us, which is early and often apparently. You know, I think that this particular creative community could speak almost as one in that direction without even being overtly political, because I think it, it, at, at its core, it's not a political issue. So, yeah, I mean, listen, there's a reason why all these messages we're talking about are happening, because they want to change our behavior. They want to change the way we vote. They want to yeah, change I think. It's all connected. Well, they, the, the problem is, is that it's always, you know, obviously, they, they, it's, I feel like they never have anything good to say about America. Certainly not. Talk about being a square in Hollywood if you say something good about America. But it's not just that. It's that they actively despise half of the country, mock them and um, and dismiss them and dismiss their wishes and their concerns, their religious beliefs, um, their, their own personal convictions. And again, sort of make fun of them for having them in the first place. Um, you know, I, I, I don't... Do you ever... I mean, do you ever think that Hollywood will start to balance out? Do you think that that stars will start to see or entertainers will start to see that they have they also have a role in helping the country or are they just citizens of the world now? Uh, no, it will not balance out. Uh, I don't think the stars will change their behavior until it hurts their bottom line. I do think that people who are on the right tend not to use the power of their purse or wallet to change to make change which is a significant problem yeah and, uh, you know uh, the there, there's no consequence to a uh, a celebrity embracing a hard left cause because they will not lose any work for it right they won't lose any jobs for it they only will get bent they only get benefits from it if, if anything so that's often a, you know, it's funny, Joe Rogan recently talked about Hollywood and why it thinks the way it does. And he kind of described when you kind of come to the town, it's it, it, there is an established group think there. And if you come in and kind of rattle the cage, you're done. And if you're a young actor or actress desperate to get that first big role to change their career and, and live your dreams out, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, you know, that Trump guy isn't so bad? Are you going to say, gosh, I, I I hate the fact that uh, we're trying to stop well, people. And, you know, it's, 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 it's yeah. you get it. And you have most of the stars who are in favor of Trump or who speak out or who aren't totally insane about Trump are those who are much older. And, you know, they, they, they're they the types that, you know, work when they want to and take roles that they want to. They certainly don't need these roles anymore. And they're secure. In other words, they're secure. They're not they're not in a situation where they're working actors anymore or trying to, you know, um, gain additional fame they've sort of made it and and you know but i i see that throughout all parts of the country it isn't just i mean in in very blue cities i live in one for instance i mean you are not welcome um if you are not at least in my and i again like i i practically live in portland oregon i mean alexander virginia is weirdly 
weirdly left. Um, I, I mean, like very radically left. And if you don't toe the line, then you're not, you don't really have, you, you know, you can be quiet. I mean, that's fine. You'll be more accepted into the society if you're quiet, but if you are loud. So I do think that like Hollywood operates like many liberal towns. It's really no different. It's no, it's no worse. Um, but I think the stakes are higher, obviously there, um, when there's so much money to be had and look, you're an actor, you're a young actor. Um, I'm sure you have friends that, you know, who are actors who stay very quiet. I certainly have a very good friend who was quite successful working actor in Hollywood and, she was terrified that someone would find out I was her friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, she was just, but she was very quiet about things. And I, you know, I, I, I think that's, um, you know, I, I think, but I think that's true. And especially now that cancel culture is so prevalent in our, you know, in our society, in our country, it's sort of like, you know, it's, it's expanded beyond, beyond Hollywood and beyond the corporate world, which is kind of, I think, frightening for people. Yeah, Hollywood is is reflective of that, and I, it's a the story that I write at least once a year, and I it, it 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 pains me that no one else is picking up on this theme. Is that for years and years Hollywood would do movies and TV shows and plays about the blacklist, the Hollywood the nineteen fifties McCarthy era, and you could certainly understand why it impacted Hollywood directly. Famous screenwriters were punished as a result. It it, it spoke to a lack of free speech and the ability to kind of think what you want to think. I mean, I, for every obvious reason, the the industry is aghast at it. And we've seen it, you know, in films like The Front, yeah. Guilty by Suspicion, uh, Good Night yes. and Luck. Fine. I get it. Let's talk about it. Let's revisit it. Let's learn some lessons from it. At the very same time, today's Hollywood actively discriminates if you like Trump, if you're right of center, if you're pro-life, if you're pro-Christian, in varying degrees. So, and and about once a year, a major news outlet will basically acknowledge that and then just go on like, oh yeah, by the way, if you're right of center, you can't get work in Hollywood or it's going to be much harder. And you replace that with any other group. If you were gay, if you were a Muslim, if you were part of any other individual group and the same thing was said, it would be scandalous. There would be charges. There'd be investigations. We need to fix this. There'd be apologies. Never with this though. Yeah, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. It really is their their ability to see only what they want to see or to hear only what they want to hear or to even, you know, the gaslighting of Americans making, you know, it's so obvious what they're seeing and then making Americans feel like they're conspiracy theorists or seeing things that aren't there um, is pretty awful. I don't think that the industry, I mean, I think you're right that the industry won't recover, but I do think, and I, I, you know, I, I suspect you feel the same way that, that the proliferation of sort of streaming services and entertainment options are the thing that keep it in check. But even these, even these new you know, they all kind of follow the same political line. They are, they're all cranking out content that is hardly conservative. But sometimes there's a sort of a, a secret message in movies or you'll you'll watch it and you'll go, oh, well, goodness, you know, that that had quite the conservative. I, mean, I remember when, oh, there was that that uh, it was a cartoon Invincibles or what was it? It was, um, it was the family of incredibles you know and you know people were saying you because at one point you know it's so funny too because conservatives anytime they get like one line i remember (laughs) robert downey jr robert downey jr i think he wore wore a cato t-shirt and everyone was like oh my god oh my we're so excited because we get crumbs Mm -hmm. 
all the time. But, um, but you know, so the Incredibles, they had that line about like, yo, you're special. It's okay to be special or something. I, he said something similar to that. And, you know, sort of going against this idea of like, oh, well, every kid is a genius and every kid is, you know, perfect. And so, you know, do you have, if there ever been movies, um, I'm sure there have, but do you have any movies that you can cite that do sometimes sneak in more, I don't know, free market ideas or conservative principles? Certainly, you know, it'd be a shock if there was a vaguely pro-life movie or something. Is there any any that come to mind? I don't mean to put you on the spot like that. But. No. Well, I mean, pro-life, you could look at Juno and Knocked Up as sure. two examples that uh, they decided to keep the baby in the story. It's key to it. And actually, some critics were aghast at those themes, by the way. Right. Uh, there's um, the first Ghostbusters had sort of a anti-authority message, which is interesting. And certainly you wouldn't quite get that today. Uh, right. A Quiet Place, the first mm. film, much more than the second film, is a, a, a powerful uh, tribute to to families, to parents, to mm. moms and dads who will do anything and use every creative resource at their disposal to protect their children. I, I think rom-coms are often incredibly conservative in that it's always boy meets girl and they're going to the chapel. They're not gonna go, uh, you know, have an open relationship or do a throuple thing. They wanna be together at the end of that movie, right? I mean, it, it maybe coincidentally, that's why they don't make as many at the theatrical level anymore because they don't wanna do that story, I don't know. But uh, those are a couple examples. Also, this is one I, I mention often because it didn't get much attention. It's called Still Mine. It's a very sweet love story about an older couple. James Cromwell, a very good actor, was super progressive, mm -hmm. is the star. Yeah. I forget the female star. Um, and his wife is getting older and she may be having some dementia issues and he's a builder. So he wants to make a house that would make it more amenable to her where she could kind of live with him for a longer period before maybe her condition worsened. And all of this is about him fighting the red tape and the bureaucracy. And he just wants to build the house that he knows how to do better than anybody. And in a way, it was sort of a sly anti big, big government message, you know, yeah. told by an actor who's far left. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. You know, and I, I think at some of the older movies that I, I'm showing the kids, um, um, you know, particularly some of the war movies and, and, you know, you mentioned Shane, you know, which have these, these, these used to be not ever considered right or left, but just, you know, principles you would want to teach your children, but still reaching back into the past. And, you know, The Right Stuff is a great example of a, a movie that my children love, you know, about the the first astronaut program. And, um, and it was, it's such a great film because obviously it shows family life and, and obviously, you know, courage and, and exploration and excitement um and and so you know the but these are that didn't have a political message at all it was just these are great principles to teach your child and great americans to emulate and um and now nowadays you know some it's kind of sad that those movies if they were made today you would say oh they're really you know covering some conservative <laughs> principles <laughs> where you know I, it, th those are principles we should all share. So anyway, it's interesting to to think about that. What are some other resources parents can go to for good movies? You know, there's Common Sense Media, but are there other, and obviously your website, but are there some other resources you suggest to people? You know, it's tough. Common Sense Media, by the way, although it does a lot of good things, it's yeah. certainly liberal in its its uh, yeah. approach. So just kind of know that going in. Uh, they, I, there are a couple of reviews I read that were I, th I thought were rather shocking in that 
it might have been an attack on no safe spaces, which is one of the best documentaries the last, gosh, 10 years. Yeah. And they, they were complaining about that because people on the left don't like free speech at this point, sadly. Sure. It's, I, I hate to say that. I hate to say that out loud, but it's true. Yeah. It just is. Um, you know, I think Dove has, has sort of a, a certainly a, a very um, strong Christian view of entertainment, but they have a, I believe they have an online resource. Uh, I know Movie Mom, I used to know her back in my DC days, Nell Minow, who's a very sweet woman, and her her website often will have commentary, but whether something is appropriate for children or not, she's left of center, you know, but just so you know, but she's, I think she's yeah. uh, a pretty straight shooter. Uh, otherwise, you know, there's, oh, just read the reviews carefully, you know, usually like a Rotten Tomatoes will have like a bare bones description of why it's R-rated or why it's PG-13. They seem to have that at the very bare minimum. But, you know, also reach out to your friends. I mean, that's one of the joys of online living is that if you're a parent and you know lots of fellow parents, just kind of float a movie that came out and say, hey, has anyone seen this? And often that kind of peer-to-peer feedback can be the most effective. Well, look, I, I really can't end this without getting your thoughts on the Britney Spears issue. <laughs> um, I, I am, I, I'm half joking, but I'm also half not joking because it actually is a pretty, well, everything having to do with Britney is pretty crazy, but this is a really serious issue. In fact, IWF um, is, is two of my colleagues at IWF, two lawyers on our staff, uh, Jennifer Basaris and Inez Stepman are going to be doing uh, one of their programs at the bar about the sort of team Britney versus team conservatorship um, issue. And, you know, you're, you're, this is, this is what you do. You are in this, you know, Holly, you're in the Hollywood bubble in a way and, and, and reviewing everything that goes on there. Will you have any feelings on this issue? And for listeners who don't know, uh, Britney Spears claims that she's sort of a hostage to this conservatorship, which is run by her father and a team of lawyers and other sort of people to protect her. And everybody can remember that Britney had a bit of a meltdown um, years ago. I mean, but it wasn't just, you know, shaving her head. And she actually had locked her, her herself in in her home with her children. And she has, you know, said she was going to self-harm. There, there's some pretty significant stuff going on with Britney. But, you know, Christian, I'm just interested in any opinions you have on this issue. Two quick thoughts. One, often with these high-profile cases, it can reverberate across the culture where it's just one person, one situation, but sometimes there is a domino effect or it could have an impact far beyond the person itself. Number two, I don't exactly know why, but I have rigorously avoided this story. <laughs> I, I, I think I think in part because it, there's a lot of celebrity attached to it, and I one of the things I did when I when I went solo and left a couple of different organizations was I didn't want to do the gossipy what is Justin Bieber up to these days stories and the Kardashians. I kind of I kind of made a personal vow to myself. And if you go to my website, I, I don't I don't write on those stories. I don't kind of tweak them with the, my little news section on on, the, on my sidebar. So even though I don't discount that there is worth to the story, for some reason, I have just aggressively not dug in. So I apologize okay, so, profusely. Okay, so I guess I, I guess I'm not going to get anywhere <laughs> if I ask you where you are on the Queen Meghan Markle argument, right? Okay, fine, I get it. And what is Justin Bieber up to these days, Christian? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm the last person to ask. Though I'm also on a, a royal blackout. I just think oh, the fact that we even talked no. about in, in 2021 is I'm I'm aghast at that. <laughs> You're an American after all, right? Why are we? Why do we even care about this stuff? 
we fought a revolution so we didn't have to care about this stuff. Well, listen, yeah. Christian, I always love talking to you and I could go on and on because I do love movies and I love everything you write and review. And I'm going to, I want you to mention to the audience where they can find you and give a plug for your podcast. Sure. Uh, the website is hollywoodintoto.com. My work also appears at the Daily Wire, Newsbusters, JustTheNews.com, Real Clear Investigations. And I have a book coming out in January, and it is about woke Hollywood. So I can't tease it too much more than that because it's still a few months away. But it's uh, it's a book that we need. Let's just put it that way. And I'm, um, I, you know, if there were 20 books that came out before mine that addressed the issue, I'd be happy because I think people need to know what's happening in Hollywood. And uh, just a, a, a quick final note for people who are right of center and care about the culture, be culture warriors. And by that, I don't mean pick up a sword or a shield. I mean, support good right of center art, because if you don't support it, it's not going to happen. And because there are forces at play that don't want it to happen. And if we don't use our, our, our economic um, influence to kind of rise up and to kind of share the stories that aren't being told, they will never be told. What a great way to end this. And I do hope see people support Christian, his work, his efforts. He is, I think, the best, absolutely the best and a good friend. He's a good friend of IWF. And um, and he really will help you and guide you to better shows. He's very balanced. And I think we just, Christian and I disagree on a lot of things. You know, I poo-poo a lot, I think, a lot more that he's very balanced in his reviews. Um, he's also on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? It's at Hollywood in Toto. Got to okay. keep that brand consistent. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I hope you come back when you have your book out. I'd really like to, I'd like to review it, but I'd also like to chat with you about it. So I hope you'll come back. Oh, sounds great. Great. Thanks, Christian. Thanks everyone for being here for another episode of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. If you enjoyed this episode or like the podcast in general, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. This helps ensure that the podcast reaches as many listeners as possible. If you haven't subscribed to the Bespoke Parenting Hour on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, please do so so you won't miss an episode. Don't forget to share this episode and let your friends know that they can get Bespoke episodes on their favorite podcast app. From all of us here at the Independent Women's Forum, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.